Welcome, everyone. It's good to have you this weekend at Grace. Uh, Before we get into our conversation this morning, um, I'd like to stop and pray together as a church. You you may or may know or not know that we have uh, about 240 uh, junior high, high school students and adults out at a retreat right now. And so uh, they're doing great. And I just thought it's so important uh, junior high and high school is a massively important here at Grace Church. We invest a lot into it, believe in these kids a ton. And this is a big, big retreat. They're up at Kalahari over in Sandusky. And probably as we're speaking, uh, they're becoming semi-conscious right now. And then they're going to go into a, a session this morning and kind of wrap up their, their uh, weekend retreat. But I thought it would be good for us to stop and pray and just ask for, uh, for the Lord to work in their hearts in a special way. So would you pray with me as we get started? Jesus, thank you so much for uh, all of our junior hires and high school kids, Lord, and what a privilege to know them and be their friends and be a part of their life. And uh, I just love that, God. Thank you for them and for their families and this commitment to go on this retreat. And Lord, thank you for the adults that are there who love them, who are pressing into their lives and guiding them through what you're teaching them. Father, I pray that as they kind of wrap things up uh, this morning, that you will press deeply into their hearts, that their minds and their hearts will open to who you've called them to be and how you would want them to to know and love you. And Father, I pray that uh, you will also guide the adults who are kind of steering them through that process. Lord, we ask for, of course, like safe bus trips back and and all those kind of things. Lord, keep your hand on the kids. Uh, But more than anything, God, uh, bring about life change and let them respond in a a wonderful way to you. So we love you, Lord. Thank you that we can come before you and pray on behalf of those that we love in your name. Amen. So we are in a uh, series right now called Less is More. And um, in this series, what we're doing is we're talking about how to get the best things out of life. And so we said that there's good things, there's benign things in life, we can live that way. There's better things or beneficial things in life. And then ultimately there's eternal things that we can be involved with. And what we wanna do is move from good to better to eternal. We want our lives to be well invested and our lives to count for, uh, for a long time. And we said it's difficult right now in our culture because our culture has a lot of noise in it. It's not necessarily sinful, it's just the way that it is. But through social media and other aspects of media, there's just thousands, tens of thousands of voices that would compete for our attention, our affection, and our investment, right? And so you open up Facebook or you open up your Twitter or turn on the television, whatever you need to do, and all of a sudden you'll see that this is important and this is value and this is a cause and this is somebody that you now know something about and it's just all around us all the time. And it clutters our mind with our thinking and then the danger is that it clutters our souls, that we spread ourselves incredibly thin, kind of give a little bit of ourselves to everyone. We love everything equally and in doing that we don't invest in anything, that we would look at the good and give as much time and attention, maybe even money to that as we would give to the better, as we would give to the eternal. So we have lots of friends, but no relationships, lots of activity, but no investment. And the long-term play of that is 
my life is a blur, my life moved a million miles an hour, but I didn't have a consequential impact on the people around me or for eternity and the depth of my relationship with God. So we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, and uh, I opened it up a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Ryan talked about this last weekend in the context of investing our finances and doing that with wisdom and with an eternal perspective. And if you miss those, either one of those conversations or both of them, if you want to catch up on those, go out to our website, graceohio.org, and you can listen to those or watch them or get a podcast for free through iTunes if you want, and I'd love for you to kind of grab that and fill in those blanks. This weekend, I want to continue the conversation, press down on it a little bit, and I want to, I want to press into this idea that in this flurry of activity, our, our heart equally commits to all things. And I want to talk about our priorities, and in particular, the priority of our time and our calendar, the investments that we would make with that, okay? So to kind of get into this, I want you to grab this note. So you have this note. If you grabbed a program on your way to the door, it's in there. If you didn't grab one, there's a couple. There's some of these in the chairs. You can use those. So in this little piece of paper, at the top it says less is more, and you'll see that phrase, write out your top five priorities. And I want you to do that here real quick, write out your top five priorities. And let me just clarify what I mean by that. I mean write out your top five, I call them deathbed priorities. So if you were on your deathbed and somebody said to you, hey, what was the most important thing in life? What would you say? So it's not the top five priorities this week, it's the deathbed priority. So if I'm on my deathbed, for example, if you say, what's the most important thing to you right now? I'd probably say, my relationship with God, because I'm going to see him any minute, right? And so I want to make sure that's in good shape, because I'm on my deathbed. I would probably say something like my marriage, my relationship with Heidi, my relationship with my children, right? Maybe my immediate family, maybe a few close friends. See what I mean? So whatever that would be for you, you have to come up with your own. That was just an example. But if you were on your deathbed, if somebody pressed into you just as deep as they could press into you, what would be those deathbed priorities? How would you list them if you were kind of getting down to the, the bare essentials of those things, okay? So write that down, and then we're going to come back to that in, uh, in a few minutes. So this weekend, what I want to do is I want to talk about our calendars, or I want to talk about the investment of our time, and I want to look together at the idea that if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen, okay? So in, in this flurry of activity and in the cluttered soul that we all would tend to struggle with, um, this is what happens is because we give a little bit of time to everything, we don't invest a lot of time in anything and it doesn't allow us to move ourselves forward. And the argument that we kind of want to make this weekend is that less is more that the less things that I do, if I prioritize or lock in the right things, in particular, the eternal things, I'm actually gonna get more out of life, make more forward progress, and be in deeper relationship with the people around me and ultimately with God. So I wanna show you how this works and how to filter this through and kind of decide this stuff with your calendar priorities. Now, in, in this hurried whirlwind life, Time is the commodity, right? I think we all know this, like time is the commodity. Time is the only commodity that I cannot create more of. 
So once I spend time, it's gone and I cannot go get more of it. I can get more money. It's not that hard to do to get more money, right? I can get more food. There's not an American that struggles with getting more food, right? I can get more, but I can't. Once I spend a minute, the minute's gone. And here's where it starts to get deep and important. The Bible is very clear that it's God who gives us our lives, right? So God created us. The Bible says he holds his, our very breath in his hands. So God is the one who decided when we were gonna be born, and God is the one who decides when we're going to die. And in the interim there is our life. It's the time that we have on earth, and we have freedom, we have choices of how we're gonna spend that time. Obviously, if you're here in the room, God decided you were gonna be born already, okay? But we have to know he also has decided when we're going to die. He has decided the number of our days. That's a part of his kind of sovereignty and his master plan, so to say. In the middle, how I invest that time that God gives me is something that God directs and ultimately I get to decide and it becomes an incredibly important decision when everything is calling for my time. Everything is calling for my attention, which takes my time, right? Everything is saying that it's so important so for me to address that or interact with it, I have to give time to it. And so how do I choose the right things? How do I choose the godly things? How do I act on my priorities? Now, let's just pause here for a second because we have to deal with a lie that we all tell ourselves, okay? So here's the lie. If I pressed into you and said, what are your top five priorities? You might say, God, family, whatever, okay? That, that kind of thing. And if, then if I said to you, why aren't those priorities on your calendar? So if God is so important to you, why aren't you spending time in God's word? Why wouldn't you be at church regularly? Why aren't you a part of a life? Why, like, why aren't those things on your calendar? When we look at the priorities of our life and we look and we kind of look and say, this is what I should be doing, but this is what I actually do. The number one reason that we give ourselves for not doing what we should be doing is what? We say, I would do it, but I'm just so what? Busy. I'm just so busy. I know that I should invest in my children's spiritual growth this way, but we're so busy. I know that my wife and I should spend time together because our marriage is a spiritual thing. It's not a legal contract, but we're just so busy. I know that I should probably find out if my neighbor's going to hell or not, like I should care about the people God put in my natural path of life, but I haven't talked to them because we are so busy. If we weren't so busy, we would do those things, okay? Now, here's a hard truth. I'm gonna give you a hard truth, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna hurt a little bit. So if you don't know me, what I'm about to say, after I say it, you're not gonna like me at all, right? If you know me already, then you already don't like me and we're okay, so we're right where we're gonna be. Okay, here it is, ready? Prepared, buckle up. If you're not investing your time in the things and people you say are priorities, it's not because you don't have time, it's because those things and people are not actually priorities to you. If you're not investing your time in the things and the people that you say are your priorities, it's not because you don't have time. It's because the things and the people which you say are your priorities actually are not priorities to you, right? It's a brutal truth. 
and we have to be honest with it. We accomplish what we value. We have to be honest with this. If we don't debunk this lie in ourselves, if you don't quit telling yourself this lie, then you're never going to change the way that you spend your life. If we don't quit telling ourselves, I'm just so busy. No, you're not. It's not true. Because we always do what we value. If I said to you right now, uh, hey, we're going to have a Bible study on Tuesday night, and I'm going to teach every parent in here how to disciple their children. And meet me this Tuesday. You might say, oh, that sounds so amazing. We just can't do it. We are so busy. Can you do it on a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, sometime like in 2023 or something like that? Right? We, I'm so busy. Right? Now, if I said to you, I got courtside tickets to the Cavs on Tuesday night, and after the game, you get to go do a meet and greet with, Le- with LeBron, and after you meet and greet him, he's going to invite you back to his house to go bowling. <laughs> you would make that happen. You, uh, you would drop everything. Your kids would be like, it's my birthday. You'd be like, quiet, right, LeBron, right? Because <laughs> you, you would make it, why? Because we value it. So it's a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves that I'm so busy. It's a lie. When I tell myself that, I would do this, but I'm just so busy. Nope. It's, it, all you're doing is revealing your priorities. When I say that I value these things, but I do not put them on my calendar and I do not invest my time in them, the issue is not my busyness. The issue is I actually do not value them. Because when something comes along that I actually value, I will actually make that happen. If your stated values don't match your schedule, it's because you're not actually valuing your stated goals. And it hasn't, if it hasn't made your calendar, it's because it hasn't made your heart. So where we invest ourselves, we always do what we're passionate about. And if it hasn't made the calendar, if it's not on the schedule, it's not because there's no time. It's because it hasn't made our heart. It's because we don't actually value it. Now, God speaks to this idea in Ephesians chapter 5. Grab your Bibles, open them up. And God speaks into this idea of investing our lives. If you don't have a Bible or something in chairs, it's page 816 in those Bibles. And if you're electronic, we use the version app. So Ephesians chapter 5, page 816, we're going to start with verse 8. Let me read it and then we'll pull it apart, okay? So verse 8, here it is. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That's why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. All right, so let's press into this and frame it a little bit. The the way that you're going to approach this passage of scripture is going to depend on your relationship with God. So everything I'm about ready to teach you, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, then everything I'm about ready to, to walk us through is just a good life hack thing for you, okay? 
So it's just a way to move from good to better. It's a good life hack. It's a good way to strengthen your relationships, and that's all that it is. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is straight up command out of the Bible stuff. And it is to absolutely form our life and I am to absolutely engage it from an authority point of view that, that the Bible said it, therefore that Bible speaks authority in my life, I'm gonna organize my life this way, okay? So the first thing that the Bible does is the Bible sets a paradigm. Look at it again, verse eight. And the paradigm is this. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases God. So the Bible says this is the, just the two groups of us, right? It's, it's okay, it's just two groups of us. If I am not a follower of Jesus yet, the Bible uses the, the terminology that I'm in darkness, okay? If I'm a follower of Jesus, it says I move to light. And when I move from darkness to light, a paradigm shift happens in my life. My heart is transformed, my mind is renewed, I think differently, and here's the paradigm shift. When I think about my life, the paradigm shift would apply this way. Before I'm a follower of Jesus, I think of my life as my own. So I'm going to invest my life, I'm going to invest my time, I'm going to calendar the goals that I want to accomplish in life. So I want to get an undergrad degree, I want to get a master's degree, I want to get a doctorate, I want to move this way up the company ladder, I want to do this, you know, move this house so I wind up in this zip code. I'm going to take my life, I'm going to invest my life the way that I want to invest my life. That's a paradigm that someone who is in darkness would think about. When I accept Christ as my savior, my paradigm shifts. I move from darkness to light, and that paradigm shift as it applies to the investment of my life is this, that as a child of the light, I no longer view my life as mine, my life belongs to God. I was purchased at a price. I am not my own, the Bible says. So as someone who looks and says, wow, I don't, my li- I don't really have the freedom to do with my life or my body or my mind. My life is now God's. He purchased me. I belong to him. In order to live the way then that God wants me to live, I have to find out what pleases the Lord. What does God want? How would he want me to invest my time? How would he want me to live? What would he set in as my priorities? I need to find out what pleases the Lord and then I need to build my life around that idea. So Bill Hybels in his book, uh, Simplify, asks a great question, he says this. He says, if, he asks this, if God was making your calendar, what would he put on it? If God was making your calendar, what would he put on it? What pleases the Lord? How would he want me to spend the life he gave me? How would he want me to invest the, what he purchased for me? If God was making my calendar, what would be on my calendar? And this is what the scripture says. You were in darkness, now you're in light, so find out what pleases God, right? Now the question then becomes is, well, how do you figure that out? Because there's all this stuff coming at me, and a lot of it's benign, a lot of it's amoral, it's just busyness, right? So there's sports, and there's the calves, and there's football, and there's the quilting club, and there's the yard, and there's the job, and the kids. How do you start to sort through so that you're choosing kind of the calendar elements that please God. Well, this is where the writer goes on, and he says, well, this is how you do it. Look at verse 15. 
Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. These are not always right and wrong decisions. These are wise and unwise decisions. What pleases God, okay, so we can rule out sin, but then there's all this benign stuff that comes at us. What do I do with it? The writer says, well, just approach it with wisdom. Don't invest yourself in an unwise way. Rather, invest yourself in a wise way. Find out what pleases the Lord and put that on your calendar. And the things that don't please the Lord, leave off your calendar or minimize, okay? So wise or unwise. So let's just look at this for a second. How do wise people live and how do unwise people live, all right? And these start to create filters for us we think about the investment of our life. So I just wrote a few things down for each of them. So how do, how do wise people live? People who are wanting to please the Lord, how do they live? Here's some characteristics of wise people. Uh, here's the first thing. Wise people minimize the trivial in their life. They minimize the trivial in their life, okay? So wise people are probably not keeping up with the Kardashians, right? They're not gonna get sucked into that. Uh, they're, they're probably not uh, living on Facebook. They're probably not looking and saying, oh, I wonder how many people liked my post. I wonder if anybody commented. I wonder if anybody knows it's my birthday, even though Facebook just told everybody it's my birthday, right? It, it's a, they're probably not sucked into that world. It's probably not the first thing they check every morning. They're, wise people are not given to a lot of mindless activities, so the average American adult w watches between six and eight hours of television a day, a day. It's mindless. Teenagers watch less because they're on the internet. They're <laughs> not watching television, right? So it's, it's mindlessness. It's mindlessness. And my time is just, it's an unwise way. Wise people don't do that. Wise people are generally conscious of the future. So if I make this decision here, What's the ramifications into the future? If I want to accomplish this, see, how do I do a back off schedule and schedule it out so that I land at a certain place in the future? It's how a wise person would think. Wise people generally try to move forward. Wise people think, of, think in terms of investment, not in terms of disposal. So it's not how do I kill time or how do I blow money? But how do I invest my time or how do I invest my money? I want to move forward, okay? So a wise person minimizes the trivial in their life, a second characteristic. A wise person values the beneficial. They value the beneficial. So there are certain things in life that, that can be beneficial if they're approached correctly, okay? So a wise person might coach their kid's soccer team because their kid's on it, and, and their kid loves soccer, and they love soccer, and it's a point of bonding, plus you kind of get to know their friends, and it's how we hang out on Saturdays. A wise person very, really would make that decision, because there's benefit to it, so they're gonna see the value of that. A wise person's gonna understand their job correctly, that my vocation is a way to provide for my family, it's not really my source of identity. So I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna work with integrity, that's probably gonna to lead to some levels of promotion, but my, my job is a means to an end, not a means to 
meaning, right? So they're going to look at it that way. They're going to value education. They're going to look and say, yeah, that education's valuable. There's some value to it, so we're going to work hard at that in our house. They're going to value things like exercise. Even the Bible says that physical exercise is of some value. And so they're going to look and say, yeah, I don't want to have a heart attack. My dad had a heart attack, had strokes. I should probably get on the treadmill, right? They're going to value that. A wise person is going to see the benefit of entertainment to relax, but they're not going to make entertainment their lifestyle. So daddy, it's, uh, it's cold and rainy and freezing and miserable outside. Can we watch a movie today? You know what? Today we can. Can we watch a movie every day? No. You know, can we, it's Friday night, we don't have school tomorrow, can we play some video games? You know what, tonight we can. It's Monday night, I don't have my homework done and I'm flunking English, can I play video games? No, right, never again. In fact, the video games went to be with Jesus, right? So, (laughs) see how it works? So they're gonna see benefit, but they're gonna put it in its right place, they're gonna value it correctly. Now, here is the greatest mark of a wise person, ready? The number one indicator of a wise person is this. They will not budge on things that are eternal. They will not budge on things that are eternal. The immovable parts of their calendar are the eternal things. It's Sunday, we're going to church. Dad, I didn't get home till like one in the morning because we went to see American Sniper. Well, get up. Because this is what our family does. We're going to church. Dad, I'm so, no, son, daughter, you're gonna be involved in life group because your interaction with Jesus will go through life with you. You knowing how to throw a curveball will not. We are going to be in a life group because biblical community is of such high priority. A wise person, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to spend time with the Lord before I spend time with my thousands of friends on Facebook and Twitter, right, why? Because I'm gonna orient my day correctly. One is trivial, one is eternal. We do the eternal first. It does not move. The last thing we're doing together every night as a family is praying together, period. That's how it's going to work, see. Our marriage, is more, my interaction with this lost person is more important than my softball game. If I had to choose, see. So a wise person, when it comes to the eternal elements that you could calendar, we're gonna put ourselves in this environment, we're gonna invest in this relationship, they're not moving that. Everything else is gonna become secondary to that, okay? So a wise person, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Find out what pleases the Lord. Build a schedule, a calendar, a life around that, and then make those investments. Now, what the writer does here is he he wants us to contrast the two, right? So that's how a wise person lives. How does an unwise person live then? What's the contrast, okay? So the contrast is this. Number one, an unwise person exists for the eternal. Exists, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. An unwise person exists for the trivial. They exist for the trivial. They live for the trivial things of life. So they are living for the weekend. They get through this job, punch the clock, 
try to get my time in because it's Friday, Friday, and I'm going to live for the weekend. I'm not going to remember it Monday morning, but I'm going to live for it, right? I'm going to live for the trivial. It defines my life. Gossip is going to be sweeter to me than truth. What did they say on TMZ? What did they say on Twitter? Did, did you hear? Did you hear what Kobe said about LeBron on Twitter? Right? And who cares? Oh, I care. Oh, yes. It's going to fill their soul and fill their mind. The trivial is. For the unwise person, the moment is the master. There's no long-term thinking. The moment is the master. How I feel emotionally, what my impulse is in this moment is going to define what I do tonight. So whether something's valuable or not, that's not important to me. What I feel like or don't feel like doing, that moment is going to master me and that's going to define how I invest myself tonight. And for an unwise person, life and people are disposable. It's the YOLO life. You only live once life. I'm gonna, my body is disposable. My relationships are disposable. My investment of life is disposable. This is, I'm young. That's how I live. We're in college. That's what we do, right? It's a characteristic of an unwise person. They exist for the trivial. Second characteristic of an unwise person, they give the beneficial the same weight as the eternal. They give the beneficial the same weight as the eternal. So instead of sports being a vehicle to hang out with my kids, the sports schedule rules my house. Because they're on the traveling team now, and I haven't actually had a conversation with my son in three weeks, but man, his batting average went up two points. The dance schedule and the gymnastics schedule and the tuba lesson schedule and whatever else, right? It rules everything. It's, it's not a sin. It's just not eternal, right? Education rules everything. The reason that my kids aren't in life groups and the reason my kids aren't at youth group and the reason is because they got to get straight A's. Even though A students generally wind up working for C students, I'm just saying that's the way that it is. See? So they can do algebra, but if you ask them, how do you, what's it mean to love Jesus? They can't answer the question. Okay? The beneficial has the same weight as the eternal, all right? And it's not that these things are bad, it's just not eternal. It's not a sin to kick your soccer ball, it's not a sin to play in the band, it's not a sin to take a promotion at your job, obviously. None of that's a sin. It's just not eternal. So something beneficial that takes the level of ownership, meaning, and purpose, right? So an unwise person, the beneficial has the same weight as the eternal. Here's the last characteristic of an unwise person. They are passive then about the eternal. They're passive about it. As soon as baseball's over, and basketball's over, and football's over, and travel soccer is over, we're, the, the four weekends a year we have left, we are in church. Because it's God first in this house. We pray to score a goal before every game. See, I will, I will make sure my kid can throw that spiral correctly. I will make sure that they got an A plus in chemistry, but I actually have no plan to teach them the Bible. No plan to equip them for life. See, passive about it. My wife and I, you know, we're fighting like crazy, and we just, you know, we love our kids. 
And that's great, but your marriage is a eternal relationship. It's a spiritual relationship, it's not a legal one. So when the kids are gone, there's an empty relationship and oftentimes the marriage is gone. Why? Because we were passive about it. Yeah, we'll probably catch up one day. Yeah, it's gonna to be too expensive to get divorced when we're in our 60s. I mean, lots of people are willing to pay that price tag. So we're passive about it. An unwise person would look at the eternal and say, I kind of hope it happens. And they would give extreme benefit, extreme value to the beneficial things, right? And they would live for and kind of live in the trivial. And here's the scripture saying that's unwise. See, if you're a Christian, no, no, no. Those aren't even really your decisions to make. I'm investing my life that's been given to me by Christ, for Christ, and finding out what pleases him. I'm pretty sure my score on Candy Crush does not please the Lord. I bet he doesn't care. But if you start looking at the stats, you start look, look at the workplace stats of all the productivity hours wasted on Facebook. All the mindlessness that's a part of a person's life. And all that's happening while opportunities are slipping away. Like what? Like I have one opportunity to train up a child in the way that they should go so when they're old they will not depart from it. Once they're old and departed, it's an incredibly big mountain to climb. I have one opportunity to nurture a marriage through all the toils of trial rearing. And it's hard. It is so hard to do that. We have one opportunity so that when we do kind of get each other back, there's something alive and vibrant there. See, I have one opportunity to invest in this friendship that's in this crisis because of this trauma that happened to my friend. And it's just simply more important than American Pickers. Be careful, the scripture would say, that you're making wise decisions about your calendars and you're making the most of every opportunity and that we invest in what's eternal. And what does the Bible say is eternal? Ultimately, the easiest way, Jesus said it, here's the two things that are gonna last forever. Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. My relationship with God is gonna last forever and my relationship and impact on other people is gonna last forever. The digits in my paycheck are not gonna last forever. The niceness of my yard is not gonna last forever, right? It's just not. My, my, my score on a video game isn't gonna last forever. The YOLO life is not gonna last. You can party as much as you want in high school and college. It's gonna either catch up with you and you're gonna knock it off or it's gonna catch up with you and it's gonna destroy you in your late 20s, your 30s, and your 40s. It's not gonna last forever. But my interaction with God, forever. And my interaction with people, forever. And when God looks at my interaction with people, he actually prioritizes my relationships in the Bible. So the Bible would say that my number one relationship is my interaction with God. My, my number two relationship, if I am married, is with my spouse. Second most important relationship I have. Is my marriage growing, thriving, moving forward? After that, it's with my Children or parents, just depends on if you're the parent or the child. So children are to obey their parents as unto the Lord. In other words, it's our closest relationship until we marry. 
and after my spouse, and by the way, it's Heidi first, then the kids. I do not love my children more than my wife. That's a, that's a recipe for divorce. So it's my wife and then my children, right? After that, it would be immediate family. And then your, the family of God, the church family, is the way that the, kind of the Bible would lay it out. And then all the people around me. And there's nuances kind of depending on how your life is set up. If you've had a death or a divorce, there's just different ways. To, but those are the basic priority relationships. So if I look at my priorities, and I say, well, this is, it's God, marriage, family. I say, okay, well, let's look at our calendar. If it's so valued to me, why isn't it scheduled? Right? Because the new season of The Walking Dead is scheduled. The Super Bowl is scheduled. Maybe the Ohio State game is scheduled, but that also is something that Jesus was, would want on my calendar, right? So it's like, see what I mean? Sports are scheduled, but what about these things? See how it works? All right, now, let me show you this. I want to give you a little life hack, okay? So we can remember this. So what, remember, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this is life hack. This will make sense to you. You'll remember it, and it'll help you remember these things. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's all, it's all deeper because it's kind of direct from God, okay? But let me show you how this works. So life, life, you probably never thought about this before. <laughs> life works like a cupcake. Did you know that? Did you, do I need to say anything more? I didn't think so. Life works like a cupcake, okay? So when you think about a cupcake, a cupcake, in order to have a good cupcake, you have to have three elements, basically, and those elements have to play out in order, okay? So when you think about a cupcake, what's the most important part of a cupcake? It's the what? The the cake, right? If you don't have the cake, the, nothing else works. So the cake goes in first. So when I'm thinking about my calendar, the first thing I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at the cake. I'm going to look at the eternal things. It's the first thing that's going to go in my calendar. And once that's locked in, then I'm going to go from there. Once I have the eternal things locked in, these are the things we are not budging on. This is what we're going to do because they have eternal value, right? Then I can go from there. Now, once I have my cake down, I can put some icing on the cake. Let's see if I can do this. I learned how to do this this week. Impressive, right? All right. I know. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to get a job at Pandora. All right? So it's fine to have icing on the cake. The eternal is in place. And then there are beneficial things, right? If they're put in their proper way. Sports is fine. I am, my kids play sports. Band is fine, right? Dance is fine. Gymnastic is fine. Bowling league is fine. Softball is fine. Mowing the grass is fine. It, it, there's nothing like sinful. It just has to be built on top of the eternal. Now, I'm going to take a step further. I actually would say that most trivial things are benign. That you can actually take the eternal and the beneficial and add some trivial and you're not in sin. There's nothing wrong with a little Facebook. There's nothing wrong with following some sports, right? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a, with a hobby. There's no sinful thing in that. And if you build from the cake up, cake, eternal, 
icing beneficial, trivial is the sprinkles. You can have a very beautiful, delicious life, right? And it's wonderful, and things will be ordered by priority, calendared by priority, and you can like, accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in life. Now, this is not how our culture teaches us to build life. What our culture would kind of promote right now is this. They would say, let's start with the trivial. We have to fill our life with the trivial. It's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's TV, it's entertainment, it's the new Halo game coming out. Like, my time is dominated by the trivial. And if I can pull my family away from the trivial, Maybe I can get them invested in some eternal thing or some beneficial things. Go outside and throw a baseball around. All you do is sit and play these video games, right? It's time for soccer practice. It's time. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta mow the grass, right? And so we'll take the trivial, and then we'll throw some of the beneficial on with, with kind of the, the hope to somehow counterbalance the trivial, and we'll think that that's a good thing. And then what we'll do is this. I'm going to put on my gloves. I also would like to know what kind of sub you would like. What kind of bread would you like that on? <laughs> There's just something inherently creepy about these gloves, okay? I build my life off the trivial. I add the beneficial. And then what happens is this. We try to smash the eternal into it. See, we're going we, to pray a little bit, and we're going to somehow Christianize or moralize a baseball team, and we're going to get to church when we can, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to not cheat on my wife, but I'm not really going to develop our relationship, and, and then we look and say, ugh, this is my life. This is the life I was created to live. This is my family. This is my marriage. These are my, these are my friendships. And I built it backwards. And it's just all like a blob. We ran we ran, we ran, we didn't miss a game, we didn't miss a concert, and we existed, and what did you create? Uh, this thing. Now, if you don't know Christ, this is just a way to not create a mess. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, it's a different level. Because the Bible would say, wait a minute, we're in a different paradigm. This mess isn't really an option because your life is mine. I purchased you at a price. And if I looked at my priorities and I said, God, my marriage, my family. God, I'm first? Yeah. 
I'm the most important thing in your life? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. How do I get on your schedule? We never talk. We never spend time together in the Word. You hardly ever come and gather with my people. There's no biblical community in your life. There's no intentional discipleship of your children. Your marriage doesn't even have a spiritual element. But I'm number one. Yeah. Hmm. And we get frustrated then because of the, this chaotic life. And God would lean in and say, you know what, less is more. Less is more. The sprinkles are just out of balance. I don't, I actually, it's funny guys, the Bible actually does not prohibit a ton of activity. It would spend much more time warning about living a life of wisdom than it would listing do's and don'ts. And the Lord would say to those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, be careful. It's not that everybody around you is a jerk. It's that there are good investments, there are better investments, and they are, there are eternal investments. And my people, called by my name, are to give their lives to the eternal. You're not going to do that if it's not on the calendar. Because we do what we value. And if it's not on the calendar, it's not because we're too busy, it's because we don't actually value it. Right? Okay. To take out this piece of paper again, <laughs> top five priorities. And this is a little exercise. You can do it now, you can do it later, you cannot do it, it's up to you. Right? Top five priorities. So what you do with this is you just read it through. Remember these are deathbed priorities. So you start and say, well, what, what, what did you say your priorities were? What did you, say? you said it, I didn't say it. What did you say your priorities were? Well, it's, okay. What would God put on your calendar? If God was setting your calendar up, what would God put on your calendar? Right? Now, what is actually on your calendar? It, it literally, if you got your phone out and looked at your calendar, what, what is actually scheduled? And then compare the two. Are any of these deathbed priorities actually scheduled into your calendar? If they're not, then they're actually not the priority that you think they are. It's the way that it works. And we have to not tell ourselves that lie. We have to stop that lie. We have to call it out. We have to expose it to the light. Because I can say it all I want. I can even get emotional about it once in a while. But if it's not on the books, then it's actually not happening. Okay? So what are your priorities? You define it. I'm not defining it. What would God want on the calendar? Because I'm no longer darkness now. I'm in the light. What's actually on the calendar? Then how do we sink 
How do we sync everything up? And ask the band to come out, and as they come out, what, what we're doing is we're going to take, we take time. This is what we do at the end of the service, right? We take some time and put it on the calendar to thank and pray and interact with God, and I encourage you to do that. Listen to the songs if you want, pray if you want. You can sit and work on that little project if you want, right? And get your phone out, look at your calendar if you want. Just test yourself. You'll, you'll prove it to yourself. I don't have to say anything more about it. You'll prove it to yourself. But if you look at your life and life is a mess and you don't like it, right? You got to build a different cupcake. The eternal, the beneficial, and then the trivial. And life will schedule out to a place that uh, is full of purpose and meaning. Jesus, help us to do this. Guide us through your Holy Spirit. Bring to mind even now the scripture that can lead us. God, if you need to convict us of an attitude or a sin, do that now. Even Jesus, if you're drawing us to yourself for salvation, do that. And in all of it, Lord, let us be responsive to you. To take a few minutes here to put you on the books, hear what you have to say, and yield to the direction that you want us to go so that we can have the life that's the abundant life you promise. We love you in your name. Amen.